This morning, um, we are going to be continuing our series on the Jesus Way, as August spoke to us about. And um, part of what we're going to do in this series is bring up different ministry um, volunteers, different people that serve in our community in different places, and talk to them a little bit about their experience. And uh, that's in keeping with if you're reading the Jesus Way or or going to any of the study classes that are available during the week, um, which, by the way, I should tell you about that. There's a class, three classes during the week that match up with what we are learning each Sunday. And one is tonight at 5 o'clock in the parlor. Another one is Tuesday mornings, I believe, at 10 o'clock in the parlor. And uh, another one on Thursday mornings at 10 o'clock. And they're all the same class, so it's three different opportunities to catch that class. And it's led by our senior pastor, David Menitsky. And uh, one of our associate pastors, Donna Streep. So I encourage you to be a part of that. Um, but what we're going to be doing in New Heights is, was, like I said, bringing up different people to give us examples. Because definitely one of the ways that Jesus taught us is by his service. That Jesus was a, came here to serve all of us. And uh, he definitely believed in community and uh, engaging the body of Christ and being involved and being a part of it. Um, so we're trying to follow the Jesus way in that aspect and uh, interview different members of our serving community. And this morning I have with me Tom Harmon, who is a member of the chair team. So if you'll welcome Tom Harmon for me this morning. Um, And we're going to ask the same questions every week, so there won't be any intrigue here uh, as far as the changing questions, but this will give you a a good snapshot. And the first thing I want to ask Tom, who's been, Tom's been at our church for about nine years and been involved in New Heights for about three. Um, But the first thing I want to ask him is, Tell us about the ministry you're involved in and what exactly it is that you do. Yes, uh, Darrell, I'm in the chair ministry, uh, which involves putting up the chairs that everybody is seated in uh, today. And uh, we, I come in uh, along with others at 8.30. Uh, I do this just once a month. We have enough people that uh, we just need to do it ourselves once each month. And uh, I come in at 8.30 and I put the chairs up uh, as a team. Uh, we usually do two by two. And uh, we take them off the uh, frames that you see lined on the wall and then just set them up in the order that that they appear. And, of course, at the end of the 11 o'clock service, they come down. Very good. We're very glad that you do that. Um, Everybody appreciates being able to sit down. Um, How did you get involved in the chair team ministry? How did you find out? Uh, As as I remember it, uh, there was an article in the bulletin uh, that that particular week asking for volunteers in different uh, capacities, and and I think you guys expanded on it uh, during the course of the uh, worship uh, as to what opportunities were there. And that one appealed to me, uh, so I thought I'd try it out, and it's worked out real well. Absolutely. Chair chair team ministry is one of what we would call our... um, first serve opportunities it's it's an opportunity where you it's hopefully low impact now if you're not an early riser it could be high impact but um if you are up anyway it you know it's not going to take a lot of your time as tom said it's like a 20 minute commitment or 30 minute commitment um and it's once a month Uh, yeah yeah sometimes when we have uh five sundays in a month uh stacy will ask for volunteers for an extra week uh, but that happens what twice a year maybe okay um, but anyway, one of those areas that we um, offer so that you can kind of see what's going on, get in with a, a lesser, not a lesser, but it's not a high level of time commitment and um, and kind of meet people, see what other opportunities are available. Are you involved in any other ministries here at the church? Uh, I've done Habitat for Humanity about three times, uh, and uh, that and the chairs uh, would be it for me. 
I bring that up, and it's a, Tom's a good case in point here. A lot of uh, there is a misconception in volunteer work, and especially in church ministry, that um, you kind of need to sit back and wait for your niche to appear, and that, that perfect dream gig, dream job, and, and that's just not how it usually works. Um, our experience is that a number of time it takes a number of times to find out exactly where you're you're going to hit, and people kind of throw a number of darts at the dartboard before they zero in on, on where they're best suited to serve. So that's encouraged um, and, and definitely not a problem to take an opportunity like the chair ministry team and, uh, you know, just get in here and meet people, see what other opportunities you might find and, uh, and go from there. Um, another question for Tom. Why do you do this? Why do you get up early and come set up chairs? What keeps you coming back? Well, I live fairly close by, so I don't really have to get up too early. Uh, but uh, I enjoy it because it uh, dovetails uh, with the 9.30 service, which we usually attend. So I can come in, set the chairs up, uh, either go home briefly or go to the store, run a chore or two, and then come back here and enjoy the 9.30 service. I also like to uh, hear you guys rehearse. I enjoy the music, uh, whether it's uh, the initial stages or more perfected. And... Uh, I uh, like the fact we have breakfast out here, so I can come here, and if I'm in a rush, uh, I can eat my breakfast while I'm here as well, while I'm waiting for the service to begin. We are Protestants, so we have no shame in using food to get you here. We're good at that. There will always be food. Come for the food. Um, But don't come to watch the worship team practice. That is a whole scary thing that I appreciate that Tom appreciates it, but uh, we will be interviewing a worship team member and and letting you all into the darkness that is the worship team uh, in the coming weeks. So. Um, any advice that you have for people considering getting involved in the chair ministry? Anything you think they should know? Well, first of all, it's not that physically uh, difficult. Uh, is, um, you can see the chairs don't weigh that much, uh, and it's not that much out of your time. So if you need something that's a very short duration, uh, that would work for that. Um, and um, as I mentioned, it's always at the same time. It's at 8.30. Uh, it doesn't take long to set up. Um, so... Depending on what service you go to, um, you know that that may work out for you. Absolutely. And if you're an 11, a regular 11 o'clock attendee, you're probably in the practice of taking your chair and hanging it up. So basically, you already have training. You just need to reverse that, and you'll be ready. Yeah. And uh, Kevin Workman's a great supervisor too. Where uh, is he? He's somewhere around here. I'm sure he'll accept that role. And he prefers if you would call him supervisor, actually. So if you want to talk to uh, Kevin in the back about being a part of the chair ministry, or you can talk to Tom. He'll be here. Um, or Michael or myself, and we can definitely get you plugged in. Before we let Tom go, if you would, um, I definitely want to thank Tom and thank the chair of ministry team, and let's pray for them quickly, and and we'll let Tom get out of here. Father God, we thank you for, for Tom and the example that he gives us of service, and we thank you for the entire chair ministry team. Father, we know that it is not a, um, it's not a glorious job. It's not a job that draws a lot of attention or a lot of thanks or appreciation, but it is a vital, important job, Father, that um, it might seem small, but it's not. And we know that your word says that the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you, and that we can't say to the chair ministry team, you're not important because they are. Every part of our body is vitally important our life and we thank you for the part that you have given us in the chair ministry team and how they serve us and allow us to serve each other we lift up tom and the chair ministry team in praise to you amen thank you tom how about now there you go um you need your questions there 
Phil, Mr. Donahue. Um, I, I wanted to quickly point out one thing before uh, before we get started, uh, and and it's this new uh, sheet of paper. Um, it's not exactly a bulletin, and we were trying to think of something to call it, and nothing really was good. So it's a sheet of paper. Kind of sounds good. Uh, and what what we are going to be doing, and I'll, I will tell you why, is we'll be putting one of these out a month. And uh, it will talk about the current series that we are on, as well as give you a, a mission opportunity moment, and then another area of service or some ministry that will be highlighted as well uh, during that month. And then down here at the bottom in the little blue box are all of the uh, the people of, of New Heights that lead ministries um, and, and the church-wide ministries as well. Uh, if you need any information about those things, you can get in touch with those people and, and know who to contact for that information. And the reason we're doing this is um, is twofold. One... Uh, budget concerns. Um, we had to uh, greatly reduce our budget this year, um, as most people around um, the country in different areas of, of business know. And one of the areas that we felt like we could cut back and save was in this area of bulletin. And the reason we wanted to do that was because we wanted to be a little bit more conservationist minded and not print as many uh, bulletins up every week. So what we're going to do is we've printed the amount that we're going to print for the month. Um, and they're back there. And if you don't want one, because I know not all of you, we hand one to you in the old bulletin style. We pretty much were like a quarterback and you were the running back and we shoved it in your gut as you came through the door and we said, good morning, Bam! you know, take the bulletin. And, and you left it on the chair or you threw it away or did something like that. And, um, and you, you, some of you, I mean, sure read it. Tom found his, uh, his, uh, service opportunity through the bulletin. Uh, we will be having slides before the services that will have all of the announcements on it. And we are also, the entire church, New Heights and the entire church, is undergoing a great revamp of our website that will be much more user-friendly update. If you've been to our website, somebody contacted me from the main church website recently and asked when the Guyana mission trip is. And I said, four years ago. Um, yeah, that's how up-to-date we are. <laughs> I was like... Where did you find out about this? She goes, it's on the website. I was like, wow. Um, yeah, that was four years ago. It was fun. Um, you missed it. Uh, good times. Uh, so we will be uh, doing things that way. And, and uh, you know, if you want one, please take one. Um, if you want to write notes on the back of it, you know, if I say anything worthwhile. Uh, so <laughs> I know that's way too much space. But um, you can do that. If you have any questions or, or thoughts about that or concerns, please come see me afterwards or talk with Daryl. Uh, as he and I were kind of, and Stacy were behind this, it was mainly me. Um, but uh, you can come see me after the service and, and talk about it if you care to do so. There you go. Uh, we are in the second week, as Daryl said, of the Jesus way, a conversation on the ways that Jesus is the way. And last week we started, this is a book by Eugene Peterson, and we were doing it church-wide. And Daryl said there are three uh, classes during the week that you can go to taught by our senior level professors um, I am, uh, I am not one of them. I, uh, I have a small group, um, that meets and one of the guys said, so if we don't like you, we can go to the advanced course later. And I was like, that's one way to look at it. And yes, uh, clearly they are more advanced, but, uh, it, last week we started it and we're talking about Jesus as the way. And what's interesting is that scripture that says, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. We hammer that a lot in Christianity. We talk about it a lot in Christianity, but we do what we do is I'm the way and I'm the truth, and we get on that truth thing because we're kind of a Greek society, and in a Greek society, we want, we want everything up here, and we want to know the reason behind it, and we want to have the intelligence to talk about it 
intelligently. And we want to have that head knowledge of stuff. And we forget the, the Hebrew way, the, the way that Jesus would have taught and the way that the disciples would have known. And that's the heart way. That's the way. And what Peterson suggests in this book is that we have focused so much on the truth that we have forgotten the way. And we're not on the way anymore. In fact, we've created a society and a culture that really wants to do it our way. We want Jesus to be like Burger King, you know. We want it our way. And we want to do it the way we want to do it. Somebody after the first service came and said they disagreed with me last week that I, that I, I put too much emphasis on the way. And I said I was discounting the head and just we should throw the head out. And that's, let me, let me tell you, that's not what Peterson says and that's not what I believe either. I believe that there is study to be done. There is uh, intense biblical study, time spent with God, time spent in prayer, time spent in worship, all those things to get to know God. But then you've got to do it. And then you've got to live your life in that way and live your life the way that Christ set that path before us, that example for us to live, to live your life that way. It, it's not a head or a heart issue. It's a head and a heart issue. It's an entire body, an entire way of life. Everything you know should be carried out in everything that you do and vice versa. Peterson says in, on page 53, um, and this is a, a wonderful quote. I, I love what he says here. Are we using God or are, are, or are we, he says it clear, more clearly than this, or are we letting God use us? Did you catch that? Are we using God or are we letting God use us? And what he's talking about is this consumeristic society that we have set up in America, that we've grown up in this consumer-driven church, in this consumer-driven world. And we ha- in my small group, we had to talk about this, and we were trying to figure out what he meant by consumerism. You know, what does he mean by the consumer-driven church? And, and one guy said, well, what I think it means is we live in a society where we're, we consume. That's what we do. We, we buy things. We consume them. We are, a, you know, we are all about consummation in America. You can look at the economy right now. And as people get worse news, they pull in things and they stop consuming. And so the economy goes down even further. And what people want from a church a lot of times is something they can take away. Give me something. Let me consume from the church and then I will go on my way. One of the things that gets my uh, hair on the back of my neck standing the most is when somebody says, you know what, I'm just not really being fed makes me mad and i just what and i've never really known how to respond to it because i don't want to come off like what are you talking about i am awesome you know how can you not be fed from me and i don't want it to come from that respect because i see it from a different level and finally john ortberg i read this quote that he had um, that, that summed it up for me and he said this take off your bib get out of the high chair and feed yourself yeah bam you know you're not a baby. You know, you're not coming to me so I can spoon feed you God. So you can just consume what the church is throwing out. You should be with God. You should have a relationship with God, a relationship with Christ. You should be invested in that relationship, pursuing God, studying God's word, learning about God, moving along the path that God has set before you. This is part of it, sure, but not all of it. So are we using God or are we letting God use us? The temptation is to think that God is there to serve us. 
The temptation is to come to God as a consumer, shopping for the gospel as a commodity. The temptation is to reduce God to a cozy domesticity. Basically, we want to water down God to a commodity, something that I have, something that I consume. It's so much more than that. It's not even that. It's allowing God to use us. It's living a life in such a way that God can shine through us. That God's glory can be revealed to the world through our actions or our words or whatever. It's living a life in such a way that when people encounter you, they see something different about you. Not because of who you are, but because God dwells inside of you. It's about living a life the way that Christ did. And the way that Abraham did. If you have your Bibles, open up to Genesis. I was to say Jesus. Um, chapter 22. In Genesis chapter 22, some theologians say that this is the pinnacle of Genesis. That it's like rampant, 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 bam, right here, Genesis 22. And then we carry on throughout the faith. That this is a big story. And, you know, I, I've told you before that I write down in, um, the, this is my preaching Bible because it's large print. Um, uh, I write down the date that I use it. And David and I were talking this morning, and I just had this feeling. I was like, I know I've just preached about this. I, I, you know, I, just, I, I remember this scripture, and David was saying what he was going to say this morning. He's like, yeah, um, they will have heard this last year, Palm Sunday. And I went, ha-ha, March 16th, 2008. Yeah, so you've heard this before. Later on, God tested Abraham's faith and obedience. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will point out to you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood to build a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place where God told him to go. On the third day of the journey, Abraham saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the young men. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come right back. Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the knife in the fire. As the two of them went on together, Isaac said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the wood and the fire, said the boy. But where is the lamb for the sacrifice? God will provide a lamb, my son, Abraham answered. And they both went on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told Abraham to go, he built an altar, placed the wood on it. Then he tied Isaac up and laid him on the altar over the wood. And Abraham took the knife and lifted it up to kill his son as a sacrifice to the Lord. At that moment, the angel of the Lord shouted to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, he answered. I'm listening. Lay down the knife, the angel said. Do not hurt the boy in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld even your beloved son from me. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a bush. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering on the altar in place of his son. Abraham named the place the Lord will provide. This name has now become a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Now, when you read this story, a lot of questions may enter your mind. 
When you read the story, and I know you know the story of Abraham and Isaac, that things start popping into your mind. First of all, what I used to go to was, okay, wait a minute. Isaac's old enough to carry the fire, the wood, on his back up a mountain. He's not a baby. He's not a child. He's a young man or a man. We don't know his age. But if he is able to carry wood enough for a sacrifice up a mountain, he's physically fit. Abraham, we know, is old. It goes on to say that Abraham ties Isaac up. I think Isaac could take Abraham. I mean, he's just standing there going, yeah, I don't think so, Dad. Nice try. How about we tie you up? But he allows his father to tie him up and place him as a sacrifice. Why? God didn't tell Isaac anything. God didn't come to Isaac and go, hey, dude, this is what your dad's going to do. Just go along with it. Humor him. It'll all be okay. He just follows where his father is leading. Now I'm a dad and I see things a little differently. I see things from the side of Abraham. And I think, how could he do that to his son? How could he take his son and place him on an altar and raise his knife? I know what God told him, but man. He was just doing what his father told him. I love it. This part in Scripture is one of those places in Scripture where the words don't do justice, I think, to the occurrence. I love it. It's like, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, I'm listening. Yeah. I picture it sobbing, crying. That one, of those, one of those cries where snot's just coming down. It's all in his beard and everything. He's just, you know, because God told him to do something. And so it wasn't. Yes, I'm listening. It was probably, yes! Like, relief. Thank you, God, because I was about to do this. What do you take away from this? Why did God ask Abraham to do this? Well, you can focus on that and you can say, okay, well, maybe he was testing the faith of God and he says that. We tested you and you, you believe. We got you, Abraham. We believe now. Or you can look And see what Isaac and Abraham did. They obeyed. They obeyed. God said, do this. And Abraham did it. He didn't ask questions. He didn't say, but God, he's my son. You promised that nations would come from him. He said, here I am, Lord. God says, do this. And he goes and does it. If you want to lead a life the way that Jesus did, the Jesus way is living a life of obedience. Living a life of obedience. If you truly want God to dwell inside of you and you want to get on that path of Christ, it is a life of obedience. Do as I say, not as you think or not as the world tells you. Do as I say. Now, you may not always understand it. Uh, You're not God. You're not supposed to. If we understood everything, I don't think, if I knew all that was going on in the world, I don't think I'd get out of bed in the morning. I'm not God and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that he's God and he's in charge and he's more loving than I could ever be. 
sometimes it's hard to obey when you're asked to do certain things or when something happens and you know the path that's before you and it's a hard path and it's a difficult path. Sometimes it's hard to continually take your child to the altar and offer her as a sacrifice. And yet, Jenna and I in our eyes see that. We see our life with grace playing out like Abraham and Isaac. All the things that we've been through, we continually offer grace and say, she's your child, whatever you want to do. Let glory come through her. Let your love be known through her life. Now, if you read a little bit further, it says, because you have obeyed me, because you have gone forward and done these things, you will be richly blessed. Huh. So if you obey God, you'll be rich. No. That's not what I believe he's saying there. However, I do believe that you will be blessed. I do believe that blessings will come to you. Of all the times and all the things, decisions we've had to make with grace, the times that we've felt like we have walked her up the mountain and placed her on the altar, of all of those hard times that have happened in our life because of her life, we have seen countless blessings. We've seen countless blessings. We have heard stories of people who have come to know Jesus because of her We've heard stories of people who know God more because of her life. She has made me a much more compassionate person and better able to fulfill my duties as a pastor. She has changed the world in three years more than I have in 35. Man, I am blessed by that little girl. I am blessed by the times that I have taken her and said, God, I don't understand why you're allowing this to happen, but your will be done. And let something good come from it. God calls us into weird situations from time to time. God calls us sometimes to make a sacrifice. God calls us to walk up a mountain that we weren't expecting to walk up. Sometimes in our life we have to walk up, Mariah. But as we obey and as we listen to God and follow his directions, what does Abraham say? The Lord will provide. The Lord will take care of it. Because God understands all and God loves us. Living the Jesus way is living a life of obedience. Clearly, clearly, he was a man of obedience. In the Garden of Gethsemane, before he was about to be betrayed and taken by the Roman soldiers, he had a moment where he wanted to walk away. God, take this cup from me. But he knew that following God meant obeying God. But not my will, but your will be done. And think of the blessings that have come from his obedience. Eternal life. Hope. Peace, love. If you want to follow Jesus, you got to live like Abraham. You must obey. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for being the God that you are. The God who knows all. 
a God who loves all. Lord, we thank you for loving us so desperately and deeply that you were willing to give your life for us. That even in the midst of a time where you wanted to walk away, Christ, you said no. And you obeyed your Father. Lord, help us to listen to God with those same ears and to follow his path with that same determination and obedience that we might live a life worthy of that sacrifice, that we might live a life worthy of your blood, that we might live a life worthy of you. And Lord, as we, as we leave this life of obedience, let us experience those blessings. Let us experience those blessings of seeing your peace, feeling your peace, and seeing your love throughout this world. God, let us be a living sacrifice here on this earth that we may bring glory to your name.